You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about books, about the immigrant experience, and interviewing writer Tope Falaran. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I read a book that was very buzzy last year. I think you've already read it. It's called The Hunger by Alma Katsu. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like Spooky Donner Party. Yeah, like Spooky Donner. That's exactly what it is. It's like, um, I I just finished it. It is very scary. It, I mean, scary and more like creepy, but then it gets scary. Yes. But basically, it um, is a reimagining of the Donner Party. That's the, the story of the, the people who went in, were going to California and they ended up freezing to death and eating each other. That's the, that's the Donner Party yeah, story. It's but that this, bummer of a thing that happens when you're trying to go to California. Yeah, but this is sort of a horror western reimagining of it that um, instead there's like sort of a demony curse that is loose among the uh, Donner Party that is spreading from person to person that makes you crave flesh and kind of go crazy. That's kind of I don't think I'm giving away too much by saying that. No. Um, it's great. It's 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 kind of a nice slow western. It follows like you know six or seven people's stories. I don't know if it's quite that many, maybe like four or five. But it's interesting. It's like one you know young girl. One is the woman who no one likes because she's beautiful, and they all think she's a witch because she collects herbs. One is like a man who came on this trip hoping you know, to kind of escape his path. They're all kind of trying to escape a past, basically. Every person has a secret on this trip. But it's great. It was super buzzy last year. If you're looking for a Western, but you like sort of genre stuff, I feel like this is a really good way to go because you get to be in that sort of Western world. Mm -hmm. There's horses. There's there's cannibalism. There's cannibalism. There's people, women and dresses going long distances. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's fun. It's super fun. What about you, Mallory? What are you reading? So I am listening to the new memoir by Tan France from Queer Eye from the Straight for the Queer Eye for the Straight Guy on Netflix. Uh, it's called Naturally Tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he reads it in his lovely accent. People say it's great. It's really, really good. Uh, and I, of course, love Queer Eye because even goths love Queer Eye. Oh my god! Well, if I want to cry, I just put it on. It's, it's such a like it's just a cry fest, but in a good way. It's so no, wholesome yeah, no, and no, pure. No. It is such a good like it by the end when it's just like some man who's like mumbling about how like sad his life was before and now he's just like learned to comb his hair and his life is better and i'm like how and they just like they're so nice to him and it's just this thing that makes me like ah no one is ever nice to you or you don't sometimes this is not a story this is not a show about queer eye but sometimes it's like it's not that people aren't ever nice to you it's that they help them to accept the niceness they're receiving yeah they meet them where they are yeah, and they're like, "Look, you, you got to accept like you're you got to be happy with who you are," which is really a, a good message. So, if well, if you love queer eye and you love tan, because who wouldn't love tan? This book is so good, it's, and he's the clothes guy. Yes, yeah, and so it's all about like his life growing up in England as someone of uh, Pakistani uh, descent and um, meeting his husband and like him coming up in the fashion industry and like. How he was like right about to retire when he got like literally the day he got the call for Queer Eye and like, but in, in mixed in with all of it is all like he's like he'll, he's like oh here's a quick PSA about necklaces. I'm going to talk to you about bathing suit. Like he's like a lot of fashion advice mixed in, which is funny for me because I'm just like I only wear one color tan. You couldn't help me. Out. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, Mallory's in a gray shirt today, so I don't know what I know, she's talking actually, about. Actually, our well, our friend Jordan from uh, uh, Void Merch 
sent us these and i but it does say it's the sea my shirt says what does it say the season of witches and, and goblins is now at hand so oh, yeah, i guess nice. it's like pretty goth yeah. um but it's super sweet and it's fun and it's funny and so if you love queer eye you really should read this it's really really well done i'm like 75 percent of the way through and i love it so that's naturally tan by tan friends and mine is the hunger by alma katsu so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Uh, we have a feedback correction. Oh. Uh, so you read my reader tip on episode 68 about syncing up your Goodreads account with your Kindle to get the highlighted ebook quote saved on the Goodreads account. I believe I misspoke and meant to say that you have to sync up the Goodreads account and Amazon account. So go to the Goodreads settings and you'll find syncing options there. You can also sync your Facebook account so that when you marked a book completed, you have the option of sharing it there. I'd also like to add that I have... My highlights kept private so only I can see them, but there is an option to share them with your Goodreads friends. I just wish I could sync up all of my ebooks this way. Unfortunately, it only does it for books that are bought or borrowed from Amazon. But if you use Overdrive like I used to and de- desperately wish my library would use again, the borrowing goes through Amazon or at least mine did. Oh, I see. I see. Good Yes, because I have my Kindle obviously synced up with my Amazon because Amazon owns Kindle and also our souls. Um, and Goodreads. And, and, and Goodreads. So um, I already have that like where like when i highlight it just goes to this like page on amazon that i can go and look at every highlight i've ever had from a book that's on my kindle huh which is also book every book i've had from the library as well but i i don't have it synced with my goodreads so that's interesting that's good to know um anna rodan i'm curious if either you either of you share this quirk with me when i start a series i always have to finish that series in the same format for example, if I started the Harry Potter series as audiobooks, I would have to finish all the books in audio form. That goes the same for ebooks and physical books. It just feels wrong to do it another way. I Mallory? can't get that. I don't really read series, though. Uh-huh. I think that's the thing. Um, yeah, I don't really... This, I guess, doesn't super apply to me because I don't read series that much. But I will say when I rebought all the Harry Potter books, I bought them used. And the third book came in as the, e- or the, um, the British version. And it felt weird. It was just like... It just it, it just felt weird, so I totally get this. I think that if I what, read they just all- like called cookies, or they just called like French fries chips or something. Like what? what yeah, jumpers and oh really, really? Oh yeah. Oh, it just so and like the covers look different. So oh. yeah, it just looked. And there's a different name for the British version of like the first Harry Potter book, right? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's called the Philosopher's like, Stone. Yeah, Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, so I I totally get this. Um, I would say I you read everything on ebook, so it doesn't read mostly on ebook. But I, I will say like, I guess maybe I do sometimes. I mean, mostly I read everything on ebook, so it like doesn't matter. So it's like, yeah, I just read it again on ebook. But like, interestingly, like for the passage that book, the passage, yeah. like I bought all of them, oh. like in the hard hard cover form. That's maybe a because lot they're of so book. long that I was like, oh, I'll never finish this before it's due back to the library. Yeah, you know, they are, but like. There's big, certain, it's a honking book. Yeah, there's certain series that, I mean, you know, in comic books, I like to own them all in physical copies. So, like, there maybe it's with a series that I'm like, well, I may have, if I bought the first one, maybe I should go ahead and just continue oh. so I own them all. So I guess we both do this. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that. What yeah. a strange quirk that we both have that we didn't realize. Huh. Uh, and then, so Jessica wrote in with the wheelhouse, anything with an old timey circus into it. Memoirs by Mallory women. too. Oh, love a love a circus. Book. Mallory wishes she had an old timey circus like in her house. I honestly, I've been so stressed out this year that I was like, what if I just run away to the circus? I have no skills. I, don't know, I feel like there was a time when you could do that, and that meant no one could find you. That's why you would run away to the circus. But like, 
people would just find you. I just don't want to have to worry about emails anymore. So I feel like maybe in the circus, you don't get as many emails. I think they have emails that's in the circus. No. <laughs> I think so. I think there's like one person who's like the accountant who deals with, deals with all the emails. Is an accountant and emails? Yeah. <laughs> she does everybody, both? <laughs> everybody else just like gets to do their weird circus stuff. Uh-huh. Maybe that's why I'm, I've been lifting so much as I want to be the strong woman. I'm just going to get a leopard print leotard. And, that's all you need to be a strong woman, really. And if I train Sailor and Lula to do something, then I'm all set. It's true. I'm sorry, Brie. I'm going to go join the circus. Uh, so Jessica also likes memoirs by women about mental health, food descriptions. And Jessica says, it seems like everyone hates uh, the food descriptions in A Song of Ice and Fire, but me. Uh, and it's one of the most important things in world building. I also love food writing generally. I read cookbooks. I love food memoirs. I get bon appetit. I subscribe to the New York Times cooking section, and I actually read the blog posts that accompany recipes. I just love reading about food. I don't know. Yeah, I don't read the blog posts that accompany the recipes. That's interesting. I don't huh. read those. Interesting. Keep them away. Uh, also books where the setting feels like a character haunted houses and any book that can be described as it's kind of a novel but it's also kind of a collection of interconnected short stories interesting nice uh so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month sign up for our newsletter there's a link in the show notes and before we talk about uh immigrant experience books we're going to take a quick break bria you know what's almost as good as getting books in the mail what getting tampons that is so true because then you don't have to go to the store and waste time exactly and we are sponsored this week by lola so lola is a modern approach to feminine care it's a female founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons pads liners and all natural cleansing wipes and unlike other major brands lola products are 100 percent natural and easy to feel good about no bs mystery fibers or doubts about what's going on in your body even though i think i kind of maybe would like to put a mystery fiber in my body because you Ooh. could get like some superpowers but probably not on your period <laughs> Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. Lola will deliver exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. So I actually get Lola. I know you do. Every month. And I love it. I don't have to think about it. It arrives. I know my period is on its way because it's like I organized it so it comes right before my period arrives. Oh, that's it's perfect. It's very awesome. And then also it's customizable, like they said. So if, I, if I'm like, I already have like a ton of tampons, I'm like, don't send me those tampons. Keep them. And oh, they I will. I hoard them like and, a dragon. And, it doesn't, and then they don't charge you. It's not a big deal. I could never have enough tampons. Wow. Because I just, I, I don't want to run out. You're using them for various things around the house? You know, bullet, sink. bullet wounds. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, okay. Yours is more interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> plugging holes in walls. Yeah, in like a dam, a giant dam. Yes. When like you come across little, a dam with a hole in it. Yeah, so you don't have to stick your finger like right in. in. You mm-hmm. just put your, put your tampon right in there. Yeah, it, Lola is fantastic. The tampons are great. And so for 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter glasses when you subscribe. Glasses. Glasses. Macho man to the top rope. The flying elbow. The cover. We've got a new champion! We're here with Macho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world champion. What are you going to do now, Match? I'm going to go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast, oh yeah. Tell us more about this podcast. It's the podcast of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, woke discussions, man, and jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices, myself excluded, yeah. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Thursdays on Maximum Fun. Oh yeah, dig it. (laughs) 
this week, we're talking about books that explore the immigrant experience in America. We're going through a nightmare in this country right now with how our current administration treats immigrants and reading fosters empathy and understanding. So it's a great time to check out a book that explores the immigrant experience and also supports immigrant authors. So the immigrant experience is vast and complicated and very different for everyone. And there are books that explore the actual act of immigrating, the experience of being a first or second generation family or memoirs about living as an immigrant or a child or immigrants in America. Just a quick note, we are going to link you to some places to help um, who are working on getting better immigration policies passed or um, like in a more dire or immediate situation to help children at the border. This shit is very real. Um, it's not going away. This is not a show on current events. Um, this is not. We do not pretend to be experts on nope. this. So we are not going to walk you through what is happening at the border right now. But go read about it. It is. There's a lot of things happening. There will be books about it. I'm sure there are already books about it coming out. Um, a couple places you can go look at if you're wanting to help about, uh, with help people at the border. Project Corazon um, has helps pay lawyers um, on the front lines to help immigrants and races, which stands for refugees. Refugee and Immigrant Center for Education and Legal Services provides low-cost legal services to immigrants specifically in Texas, which obviously is a place where there are a lot of issues happening yeah. right now. Um, if you don't know where to give, Act Blue is a really good one. Um, it's a service that takes all donations and spreads them across places like the two I just named, plus like the ACLU and a bunch of other places like that. Um, I've reached out to a couple of friends who also work in Texas politics, and they're going to send a couple more smaller organizations for us to link to, so that way we can link. So your money can go to good places if you're looking for a place to donate. And a lot of these are nonprofits. You can deduct them from your taxes. I mean, it's there's a lot of bullshit happening in this country right now that is super fucked up. Um and it's important for us to put our money where our mouths are. And if you yeah. have a little extra money, $5 is a big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is like don't have a coffee one day. This is the kind of stuff that I think is important for us to talk about and give money to because especially a lot of us can't go and be on the front lines and help in these kind of situations. Yes. Uh, so, Bria, what is your first pick? For immigrant books. Yes. I just talked about it last week on the show. I'm bringing it up again because I was like, oh, should I not talk about it on last week's show? Should I just talk about it on this week's show? You know what? I'm going to talk about it on both. It's this book called Homegoing by Ya Jesse about two sisters living in Ghana. One was married. One married a slaver. One was sold into slavery. It's heartbreaking. It basically follows the story of all of their descendants. Um, two different kinds of ways of... I mean, immigrating, you can't call it really being brought to America via slavery immigrating. No. Um, but that is a, a movement of of a person. Um, and the other person is an immigrant who's also sort of forced into, into going to America. Or forced. Does she end up in America? I can't remember. Um, but she's for, forced to move out of her. Yes, forced to move. Um, but eventually all of the family immigrates to America in one way or the other. And... Um, it's a great book, um, super heartbreaking, but also has some stuff. It's just like, it's a really incredible book. And, um, anyone who I know has read it will recommend it to me without knowing I've read it. Oh, like it, funny. like it's come up in multiple yeah. conversations where they're like, I've read this book. I'm going, I, I actually think it. it was, it was so good. It will break your heart. And it's, it's a pretty quick read too. So you'll get through it pretty fast, but yeah, I would recommend it on every show if I could. And I'm going to recommend it again this week. Awesome. What's, what's your first immigration 
related book, Mallory? Uh, my first one is a very short book called Signs Preceding the End of the World by Yuri Herrera, and it's translated by Lisa Dillman. So if you are interested in reading a translated book for our Reading Glasses 2019 Reader Challenge, this is a great pick. I think it's only, it's like less than 200 pages. It's a super haunting novel. Um, so it's about, it's a border crossing book between, about the uh, characters that are crossing the border between Mexico and the United States. And it's almost written like a mythological story. Like she, so what her, the main character's brother has crossed over into the United States and she's trying to find him. So it's her crossing the border illegally to go find him. But when she crosses, it's almost, it feels like she's descending into the underworld. Like the way that he writes about it. So it feels like it feels mythological and it's really, it's incredible. It's such a good book and it's such a great snapshot of that kind of experience. And I absolutely loved it. It. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, what's your next pick? Well, I was trying to come up with a bunch of new books. Like, I was, like, trying to think of books that came out in the last few years. But then I was like, you know what? Let's go old classic. Let's go The Jungle. Upton Sinclair. I never read it. What? Yeah. So the jungle, I mean, people know about it. I feel like everyone listening to this pod- podcast just fast forwarded because they're like, read it in high school. But I there's didn't. a great quote from Sinclair saying that um he was aiming at the public's heart and he hit them in the stomach because wow. because of this book. Um, all sorts of laws started changing around um, uh, safety within slaughterhouses because it's about a Lithuanian immigrant who gets a job in a, in the Chicago stockyards around the turn of the century. And there weren't many jobs for people who couldn't speak English at that time. So this was one of the jobs that was available. I mean, I guess there probably still aren't that many jobs for people who don't speak English in America. Um, and it was an incredibly dangerous place. And it, it's all about it's, – it's quite – harsh to read because it's um it's just about the way that these people would just die in these slaughterhouses because it was so dangerous and the pace was quick and it was just there were no safety regulations for people working these kinds of jobs like these factory sort of jobs and this book really ushered in sort of the safety regulations we had started i mean they were obviously different then but they were the first sort of safety regulations we saw in this kind of working environment so oh. it, it's a really important book and also talks about the immigration the immigrant experience because at, this was the job that they could get at yeah. the time um so yeah good good book good book good book <laughs> One time I finished a book, put it down, and just yelled, good book. And I love doing my that. fiance thought it was the funniest thing he's ever heard. And he <laughs> often quotes me, like, when I finish one, he goes, good book? <laughs> good book? <laughs> oh, that's my favorite thing. Like, I mean, that's, we all, I think that's, like, an understood thing if you date Mallory or Bria, that you are going to, A, get constant updates about how the book is. Yeah. B, you're going to hear, you're going to get a small book report as soon as we finish. <laughs> nice book report. Yeah. My favorite thing to do is just, like, whatever I'm reading if it's near me and i haven't haven't talked to jeremy about it yet i'm just like i just like shove it at him i'm like this is what i'm reading now like, <laughs> now you have to read the back of it and talk to me about it it's just if you want to what, what, what was what did we say before if you want to be if you want to be lovers, my lover you gotta get, get with our books you gotta know what's in my book <laughs> you gotta know what's in the book that i'm currently reading okay yeah it's important. <laughs> and with you you gotta know I, with me you have to know exactly what my cats are doing at all times and with you you have to know what you're eating it's what very you, true what you ate for the day What's your next uh, uh, immigration-related book? Uh, it's All You Can Ever Know by Nicole Chung. Uh, it came out this year or la- within the last year. Uh, it's a very tough read, but it is so good. Uh, I did it on audio. Um, and so it's a memoir about her life. Is a- So she's a Korean kid that was adopted by white American parents. And, like, it's the struggle she faces both to, like, fit in with – because she was, like, the only Korean kid she knew as a kid. Right. Um, 
so like both fit in but also connect to her korean heritage at the same time and how like the whole book opens up with this conversation she's having with uh, a couple that her one of her friends knew and it's a white couple and they're asking if they should adopt an asian baby Mm. and she's like it's her she's struggling with that and like reflecting on how difficult her life was growing up that way and whether or not she can tell them with a with a clear conscious that they should right uh it's super powerful it's very well written um and again like parts of it are really sad they're hard to listen to but i'm really glad that i did and i think it really experience like delves into a very unique kind of uh second generation experience Hmm. of like you know you know trying to fit in people thinking that you're not american people like looking at you as other but also like trying to fit in it's like but all with all of that you know trying to connect to to your heritage mm. and, and like it's it's fantastic uh, um what's your next pick um my next pick is behold the dreamers by imbolo Mbue, um which i just read also last year um it was an oprah book club pick um which may inspire people may deter other people i love oprah so i was i'm all about I don't know it what, what's up with the oprah hate yeah, I, listen, she picks rad-ass books. Yeah. She picks really great books, really important books. Yeah. Like, they're always, like, books where you're like, and then they sell billions of copies because she picks them. Like, she's, like, you know, once she knights you, especially, like, I think in the early 2000s, that was a big... We should do a, a podcast, an episode on the Oprah Book Club books because people I have read a lot a, of them and you don't know that they're Oprah Book I Club. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. We should do that. And then that she had a scandal. Cool. Like, all sorts of things. Um, okay. I'm write that um, but Behold the Dreamers is about a couple from Cameroon who live in New York City during the 2008 financial crisis. It kind of follows them and this couple they work for. So like a wealthy uh, couple and one of them actually works in finance. finance. Um, it sounds super bleak and it is bleak, but it's not as bleak as it sounds. And if you hang in there, there are some really happy moments. Um, it's just like that was a tough time. And obviously if you're a person who – already were were around like the bubble of being able to make rent and be able to pay for things every month and then 2008 financial crisis happens and your jobs are affected by your wealthy uh uh people who hire you jobs um what is it <laughs> bosses <laughs> bosses spoken jobs. like a true artist uh-huh. um uh, then, then it's going to affect you quite a bit. Um, it's a recent immigrant story, which is really interesting. And and the financial crisis was such a big deal. I don't think we even talk about the impact of that yeah. recent one very much. So it's like an interesting take on that as well. Um, yeah, totally great. And and stick around for the ending because it actually like the ending is not is kind of uplifting, which is nice. Um, yeah, yeah. That. What's your next pick? Uh, it's a book we both loved uh, that was very, very buzzy. Ugh, I uh, died over this book. Yeah. It's so good. It's Everything I've Never Told You by Celeste Ng. Uh, big, buzzy book from a few years ago, but it's buzzy for a reason. It's a, it's a book that – a kind of book that I love. It's a why done it. Like Ooh, the, yeah. The, the book opens up with this Chinese-American girl and you – like this is not a spoiler. It's like you find out right away that she's dead. And it, like then it explores like why she's dead, what happens, and like her life, and like the pressure she faced living as an American girl descended from Chinese parents. The parents' relationship in that also really hit me. Yes, because it goes really deeply into the parents' mm-hmm. lives as like living um, living in America and like the pressures that they faced, mm-hmm. and it's like it's so engaging. I loved it so much. 
but it's I think it's a great immigrant experience book because it kind of like shows you the ripples of like how what her parents went through and how that affected her and which like ended up happening to her life and it's like it's amazing you will sob at some point in the book like it is actually it's a very difficult read but there's a reason like celestine is celestine like she's good oh she knows what she's doing she knows what's up (laughs) she knows what's happening what's your next book um another popular one from a few years ago is the brief and wondrous life of oscar wow by juno diaz um uh i feel like everyone read this book for a hot minute it's great um it's about oscar he's from the dominican republic he now lives in new jersey and he's obsessed with science fiction so it's like an easy like if you have some sci-fi friend who doesn't often read sort of like literary fiction, yeah. it's a very good book to I get actually them. gifted this book to a few people. Yeah, because because I feel like it, there's like an easy entry because you kind of you very much identify with the main character if you love sci-fi. Yes, <laughs> like I have that like where I re- I I think I pitched it up for that reason, not knowing that it was not going to be like a science fiction book. I for yeah. some reason thought it was. It has some magical realism in it. Yes, um, for sure. Uh, but it's great if you haven't picked it up. Um, super interesting. And like you said, good to gift to people. Like it's definitely like um, a gateway drug for like a literary fiction kind of book. Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Because uh, it's like, I don't remember when it came out. Um, but it's, a while ago. Yeah. But it's, uh, it, it's perfect to like, because it, it looks, it's like one of those books where if the main character wasn't as nerdy, people are like, oh, it's just some boring book about a guy doing it. Like if you were inter- yeah, like obsessed guy, with sci-fi like, fantasy and you're like, Dominican I Republic. want some dragons, but you'll relate to this character yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, um, totally. Um, and what's your last pick? My last pick is basically is either book by Ocean Vuong. Um, Night Sky with Exit Wounds is my favorite poetry collection ever and was his first book. And then his new novel this year on Earth were Briefly briefly Gorgeous, which came out in June. Is oh, yeah. Incredible. I wanted to read that. Um, both of them explore what it's like to be living in America and like descended from a Vietnamese family who came over here and how trauma, it's a really interesting examination of how trauma is passed down from generation to generation. Like his mother, both his mother and cause it, and, and on earth were briefly gorgeous. His mother and his grandmother are characters. And so you get to see what life was like living for both of them to live over in Vietnam and like coming over here and how things are different and like the things they faced over there and, and how they affect uh, the main character of the book now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like very, it's parts of it are very hard to read because it's also like tied into like his experience growing up gay and where that like in a place where that was not okay. Um, so it's like a lot of really heavy, heavy themes. I think a lot of these books have really, really heavy themes. Um but it's so beautiful. It's a quick read. Um, it's definitely uh, a big buzzy book this year for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they'll f- yeah, the, and, but both books will wreck you. But if you, I like, I definitely, I like recommending Night Sky with Exit Wounds to people because if, like, I don't read a ton of poetry, but this poetry collection is just so stunning. This this was the poetry collection that was like, I should read more poetry. I, sh- I, I could get into this. Wow. So if you are listening and you're like, well, I never read poetry, Pick this, pick this one book up. It's hmm. amazing. Uh, so you can send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we talk to writer Tope Falern, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a podcast that we do as uh, we, ma- we are married... 
And how's the ad going so far? Because I think it's going very good. <laughs> we talk about things we like every week on Wednesdays. One time Rachel talked about pumpernickel bread. It was so tight. You cannot afford to miss her talking about this sweet brown bread. We also talk about music and poems and, you know, weather. There was one... Weather? <laughs> one time Rachel talked about Baby Beluga, the song, for like 14 minutes. And it just really blew my hair back. So, <laughs> so check us out on MaximumFun.org. It's a cool podcast with chill vibes. Amber is the color of our energy, is what all the iTunes reviews say. <laughs> they will now. Okay, so here we are with writer Tope Falaran. Tope, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. What are you reading right now? Uh, so a couple days ago, I should probably start by saying that when I was in grad school, I went through this period where for some reason I started reading a lot of Freud and Carl Jung. And, um, and I always wanted to read Carl Jung's, uh, I guess it's his autobiography. It's called Memories, Dreams, and Reflections. He wrote it in his 80s, and it's basically um, a kind of story about his life. He emphasizes at the beginning of the book that it's actually about it's his internal autobiography. He says that the details of his life as he lived it to him aren't that important, but the kind of evolution of his consciousness and thought is incredibly important to him. So um, it's a book that I wanted to read for a long time and various other things got in the way. Uh, and so I decided right before I kind of jump off into the uh, world for the book tour, I might as well carry this with me and start reading it a couple of days ago. And I, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. Um, and I just finished a book called First Cosmic Velocity by Zach Powers. Uh, he's a fellow DC writer. And I loved it. I am a big sci-fi fantasy person, um, which might not be reflected in my published work yet. But um, I definitely love reading and watching uh, sci-fi and fantasies. And it's a really kind of interesting sci-fi take on the, uh, on the space race, specifically um, the Russians and, and how, and I, I don't want to give much about the plot away, but it's basically a kind of alternate history of the Russian space program that I think is really compelling. Um, and the third thing, uh, is, uh, your duck is my duck by Deborah Eisenberg. She's one of my favorite writers ever. And so I've been savoring that collection since it came out uh, late last year. So those are the books I'm working on right now. So nice. speaking of books, can you tell us about your new book, a particular type of black man? Sure. Um, so it's my book is basically it's two things I think I think one it's a coming of age novel um, and there's obviously a very long tradition of coming of age books in in literature and so I think in many ways that my book fits in that uh, kind of tradition uh, also it's a book about constructing identity the character the protagonist of my novel is a guy named Tunda Kinola um, and he's growing up in a context and space that doesn't really have you know, space, space for him or an understanding of who he is. So his journey across the book is to try to come up with a way of defining himself um, when there aren't any definitions that are re readily available. Um, and so that's basically, it's, it's, it's his journey of identity construction over the course of, of the book. And uh, yeah, and I'm really, I'm really happy with it. And I think that I hopefully captured what it is to try to come up in a context that doesn't necessarily get you or, or have space for you. And so you share some biographical similarities with the main character. Did you draw on your own family experience, your own experience growing up in Utah to write this book? I did, actually. Um, you know, so there's this, I, I'm thinking of this partly because 
Toni Morrison passed away a few days ago, and she's well known for her statement about you know writing a book. If if uh, if you think there needs to be a book in the world, you need to write it. Um, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but I think I kind of adopted that attitude when I started writing this because I was keen to write a story, uh, to read a story, I should say, that had some connection to my life. And though I've read a number of really compelling and interesting books about first-generation Americans or about identity construction, I didn't necessarily find a book that uh, seemed to capture some of the stuff that I wanted to capture. So I decided to write it. Um, and there's really fu- a really funny thing about you know creating art, as, as both of you know, um, which is you might have this idea in mind and you try to pin it down on the paper or film it or whatever else. And the thing you discover as you continue the process is that the material will go in its own direction. And so that's what happened in mine. I thought initially, to be perfectly frank, that I'd be writing something that closely, that was a memoir or memoir-esque. And the more I wrote, the more my protagonist had ideas of his own about how he wanted to do things. And and the thing that perhaps was even more important than that was that he thinks very differently than I do and um, makes different decisions uh, th- than I have. Um, but yeah, I, it certainly started uh, from a biographical, autobiographical place and then kind of went off in its own direction. So how does this book explore the idea of home? Yeah, I think in my book, um, home isn't necessarily a settled place. And I know there have been a lot of conversations about what home means to people. And um, and I think in my book and in my case as well, um, home is just this kind of perpetually unsettled place. For Tunde, he grows up, he has a home. I mean, if you searched his his records, you'd see that he was born in Utah and his parents are from Nigeria. And so on one level, one could say that his home is Utah or, or the United States or the Western Hemisphere or what have you. Um, but because of who he is and his phenotype, um, he doesn't necessarily fit or feel, feels, he doesn't feel as, as if he fits in that context. And so, and his parents, his father in particular, is telling him that, you know, you might have been born here, but you are actually something else. You are actually Nigerian. And he doesn't necessarily get that. And American society is saying, hey, you're an African-American. And he has no sense of what that is. And so um, it kind of is connected to what I was speaking about before, you know, that kind of identity construction process. For Tunde, uh, an intrinsic part of that identity construction process is figuring out what home is. And that's another kind of important journey that he takes in the book. Uh, So for him, I think he has to, in the end, I'm not giving anything away when I say that he has to come up with a definition of home that is portable and that moves with him and that is in a fixed space um, on the map somewhere. So your main character's sort of sense of identity starts to shift depending on where he is. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, so I think in many ways he's kind of like a chameleon. He's so desperate to belong and to be recognized and to be understood that, you know, when he moves he'll do the work, the diligent work of understanding everything he can about his new, the new place where he is, hoping that he might find some element in his environment um, that he can sort of begin to call his own and that he can adopt and carry forward. And so he does this a number of times. He is, like many people who grew up in this country and around the world, um, not able to stay in a specific place because his parents, his father in particular, uh, insists that they move uh, uh, you know, a lot so that they can find jobs. And so he doesn't have the luxury of staying in a place and really getting a sense of its rhythms and um, and how the place operates. And so because he moves so much because of this kind of economic insecurity, 
um, he's not able to kind of ever fully, um, you know, sort of understand a place and, and really sink into a place. And I think that kind of contributes to the way that he sees the world and his sense of being fractured as well. So, um, yeah, he, he tries his best whenever he goes to a different place to kind of assume the characteristics of the place. But um, in the end, he's not able to do so. And so that, I, I think, kind of prompts him to take the journey that defines the latter part of the book. And are there any books that you love that look at American life through the eyes of a first-generation character? Yeah, I remember when I was very young, I read uh, The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. I, this, I would have been right in the midst of my kind of deep obsession with sci-fi and fantasy. So, you know, in the middle of my kind of um, Terry Brooks or whatever, whatever I was reading at that point, um, I think uh, a librarian said, you know, hey, you should read this. And so I picked it up uh, and read it. And there's a section in that book, and I haven't read it for many years, but if memory serves me, uh, there's a section in the book that focuses on the children um, of I guess their main characters as well, but the children of the um, the immigrants from China and their kind of struggles of trying to, you know, either assimilate or find some sense of themselves. And I remember reading that section in particular, but the book as a whole as well, and being very struck by it because I saw many of the struggles that I was enduring uh, reflected so beautifully on the pages. Years later, um, I read a portion, I read... Um, uh, Jhumpa Lahiri's The Interpreter of Maladies, which I think also has a couple stories that focus on, um, you know, sort of first-generation Americans. Uh, of late, a book that I read that I really loved was Sour Heart by Jenny Zhang, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful uh, book that really kind of um, reaches in and, and attempts to understand what it is to be, you know, a first-generation American and define America for yourself in a new way and for your generation in a new, in a new way as well. And so tell us about your reading life. Do you have any reading quirks? Yeah, I do. You know, I'm a weird reader, I guess. You know, <laughs> so I am a couple things. One, I'll typically have like nonfiction and fiction going at the same time. And so I'll read the nonfiction on the train to work and back and I'll read the fiction at night. <laughs> um, and I've for a long time, I've had this challenge to myself to try to read a novel a week and Sometimes I'm not successful, but usually am, I am. And so I, I generally read when the rest of my family's asleep and in a silent house. And the, the, the other strange thing I do is that uh, I, I love language. I'm a sucker for beautiful language. And if I come across a passage or something that moves me, I will always put down the book or the Kindle or whatever, my phone, whatever I'm reading on, and just kind of wander around uh, for a bit. I've been doing this for as long as I remember. And and a couple people have caught me and they think I'm a weirdo for doing it. But, I, you know, it's something that I've I've always done and suspect will always do. And um, we know you like sci-fi. What other things are in your re read a real house? Uh, you know, anything that kind of really interrogates reality or questions reality. I was I, you know, I think we all have those moments. We've read something and have been completely thunderstruck by it and changed by it. And for me, one of those moments happened, and this might be a cliche, but I'll say it anyway. Um, back in 2007, I was in Europe. I was working for Google then, and I was reading a lot of Borges, and I've long been a fan of Borges, and I, for some reason, had been avoiding reading anything by Kafka. And so just on, you know, one day on a lark, I picked up The Metamorphosis and was deeply struck by it because um, I, the thing I love most about that work and everything else, that, and I've since read, I think, just about everything Kafka's written, um, is his commitment to kind of rendering the story without kind of apologizing or making any appeal to rationality. 
you know, so for example, at the beginning of the, of the Metamorphosis, um, you know, the, the character wakes up and he is uh, a beetle or a roach or whatever translation you read. Um, and, and there's no kind of equivocating about it. There isn't like he feels as if he is or, or you know, uh, he has a sense that maybe something about him is wrong. It's, it, this is who he is. And, and so I say that because, uh, and I mentioned too that I'm, I'm reading Young, um, any book that kind of, or, or movie or television show or whatever, that kind of acknowledges that maybe we don't have a sense of everything that's happening in the universe, that maybe our, our reality is ordered in a very particular way and has served us you know, really well for some time, but that there might be all kinds of interesting things wandering just beyond the realm of our perception. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely, I think that is definitely my wheelhouse when it comes to like finding work to read or watch or engage with generally. I feel like I'm in the same boat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that speaks to me. So, Toby, where can we find you online? Yeah. So, I'm on Twitter at Tope Falarin, at T O P E F O L A R I N. I'm also, I have a website, uh, topefalarin.com. And um, I'm on Facebook. I'm, I, at some point, it's, it's, it's ironic because I'm, I'm such a visual learner and I love movies and television shows. I'm not on the gram yet, but at some point, I, I so you might find me on the gram in the next month or two but yeah <laughs> twitter and facebook and the website for now perfect awesome well thank you for coming on the show thank you so much for having me appreciate it now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners camilla wrote in uh, my bookish problem is that i have a hard time finishing series don't get me wrong i love reading them it's that i can never seem to bring myself to read the last book it's a combination of fear that it won't be a satisfying ending that the tone of the story will change too much but mostly that it's i can't stand the thought that one of my favorite stories being over i own several books that are the last in their series uh the stone sky by mk jemison record of a spaceborn few by becky chambers etc etc that are staring up at me from my tbr shelf next to my bed that i can't bear to bring myself to pick up Bria, what should Camilla do? Oh my god, I love that we have listeners that are this book obsessed. I know this is this is our this is our shit. We've had problem. We had this problem before. Someone wrote in. I said, almost said called in. Uh, wrote in um, about uh, uh, finishing a book that they love. They didn't want to finish it because yes. they're like, I love it too much. I don't want to get to the ending and not be with the characters anymore, yeah. which is like super cute. Um, I wonder if there is a way for you to celebrate the end of a series, you know? Okay. So you have something nice to pair it with. It's like the, like, um, it's like a reward system for you. So, you know, you get to the last chapter, you break out a bottle of wine or like a going away party. Yeah. Or afterwards you go, you take yourself out for a nice ice cream or a meal or I don't know. Or maybe you, every time you go read, you read it in the park or somewhere rad or like it's, in K. Jemison, you go read it in a cave. Uh, an <laughs> a underground, nice, wet, dark, scary cave. Yeah, you read it in an underground bunker. Um, uh, but I don't know. Make an event. Pair it with like something that actually makes you happy. It's how I convince myself go to the gym every morning because I'm allowed to watch TV at the gym, which is my favorite thing Where to do. do. You, oh, I watch it on the while I'm is on it? like the bicycle or whatever. Oh, or but on it's just, they just play the fucking news. No, I bring it on my phone. Oh, you bring your own TV. I bring my own TV everywhere I go. It's called an iPhone. Wow, <laughs> I never thought of that. I watch it on uh, like while doing stairs and stuff. Oh, I don't like that stairs. Me and Br- I have now recently joined Bria's gym. <laughs> Big news. Big news. <laughs> now we go to the same gym, but at different <laughs> times. Mallory goes at five in the morning. I go much later. Yeah, I work. I have a lifting buddy, so I don't. I don't read or I used to do audiobooks, but now I don't. I just talk to Maya. 
my friend Maya. Oh man, that's not that would be my nightmare. I don't want to talk to anyone. Oh no, we I, we love it because I'm like, come on, Maya, give me one more, and she's like, it's and, great. Yeah, no, I'm I love uh, it. no, not me. I want to um, I go to the gym every day for the past I don't know eight years or something, yeah. and I don't talk to anyone for the first like thirty minutes of my day. I just watch TV. Oh, I talk to everybody in the gym. Yeah, I took. I've been going to that gym for like eight years, and no one knew my name till about a year ago. I think it's because I go so early. There's only such a, so like a few of us. You're also much more friendly to people. I, well, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, anyway. <laughs> pair it with something that makes you happy. So the thing, the thing that makes you happy is sometimes when I have to do work, I don't want to do, I go buy a nice chocolate bar, eat that chocolate bar. This is something you want to do, but I mean, this is just like sort of like the carrot stick mentality, you know? I was just going to say, Brie, I feel like. Maybe getting a chocolate bar is not like an unusual occurrence. It's not an unusual occurrence. (laughs) Okay. I'll readily admit. But, you know, if you need to reward yourself with something and like, okay, this is like, it's a party. It's a going away party. I think that's a really cute idea. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what's your advice for Camilla? I do want to say Camilla doesn't technically have to read them. I guess it's it's true. You can pretend that that series is continuing for the rest of forever if you truly want to. But if you want to see these characters off and find out their final fates. So I have two suggestions. One, I think Camilla should do a reread. Oh, all of them. Yeah, just like do it in one go. Like nothing will get you amped to finish that last book. Then one like big marathon read where you're like, like the characters are really fresh in your mind. The whole plot's really fresh in your mind. And you're like, oh, I really want to know what happens. And like, what a fucking luxury. Like the series is over. You can just read it all in one go. Mm. Um, And second, I would line up a second series you want to start. Oh. So you can like. Something to look forward to. Yes. Uh, So you can comfort yourself over the ending of the series you love. Um, by meeting new characters, maybe falling in love with a new series. If there's like a new series that you want to uh, get into, just now, now's the time. Yeah, find one that's like similar, maybe to like to to similar writing to N.K. Jemison or Becky Chambers or something like that. You know? Yeah, if you're like, oh, there's a new. I'm I'm, I'm finishing. This, I'm sad to read the Stone Sky. I'm sad to read the last Becky Chambers book. But there's a new space opera that I really want to check mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And then let yourself. Let yourself fall in love again. Come yeah. On. Open yourself up to new experiences. You know? Open love your heart. again. <laughs> what, what is that? Love, love like you've never been hurt before. Dance like nobody's watching. Which is so creepy. I don't. I hate that. Phrase. Oh, Sean hates it. Sean I truly hate, hates it. Dance like there's nobody watching. What's the other one? Drive it like you stole Laugh it. Laugh like. Um, eat. Like there are no calories. Um, <laughs> Buy books like you don't have to pay bills. <laughs> These are, see, they're all, this is all terrible advice. It's really bad advice. All no of it is living bad advice. and laughing and loving on this podcast. <laughs> so, if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to support us, help us feed our cats and look really cool doing it, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes and if you don't want to spend any money but you do want to support us and help us out please rate and review us on itunes it's really great for us it helps us reach more readers you can email us at reading at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our book adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks for reading maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned Audience supported.